All right, so good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hope you are enjoying the, I don't know what this weather is, the, the drizzly morning we have. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we are in Revelation. We're in chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at question 12. If you've got your book, and if anyone needs a book, I've got some extras back there on the tables, the big green books. Uh, before we get started, if you will, uh, please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you and praise you for the wonderful day you've given us, Father. We thank you that by your will you sustain our lives and, and this earth and everything on it, Father. We, we thank you for giving us all these opportunities to to come to you, to be your children, and to follow you and learn your ways. We, we ask that you would lead and guide us in this study, Father, so that we can draw closer to you and learn from you, Father. And please show us what you want us to know and help us to take these things that we learn and put them into practice in our daily lives, Father. We ask that you would bless all those who couldn't be here this morning, Father, help heal them and comfort them and Help bring them back to us, Father, so that they could be with us. We thank you for all your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are in, let's see, here we, no, that's the wrong thing. Hold on a second. We're getting there. All right. So we're in Revelation chapter 4. We were looking at question 12. I'm just going to read uh, in chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 8 through 11 just to refresh our memory, and then we'll answer these last questions here. So, the four living creatures... Oh, wait, I want to show you something, though. We have... We have the pictures for this. If you'll give me just a moment, and I want you to see... The throne, this is where we currently, this is currently what we're looking at is here in God's throne room. So the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Excuse me. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Now from there, if we look at question 12, and we're talking about the four creatures here, what do they proclaim without rest day and night? Well, if you look at the... Uh, yes, what... They say, they, they holy, 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 and they, to receive glory. They honor. Right. They say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. They, they're honoring God, right? Yep. yep. Uh -huh. 
So that's what they're doing. Yes, Pat? And it puts the, the idea that it's the past, present, and future. He yes. Past and present and future. He he has existed since before, you know, what we consider even time. And he does exist and he will exist off into eternity beyond what we might think of or understand. And notice that it's saying holy, holy, holy. And that's a way they had of stressing certain things. So they're stressing God's holiness. They are they're stating it three times to really uh it's like saying, you know, in infinity times infinity times infinity. You're just trying to express how holy and wonderful and great he is. Um, the word, you know, means means holy and sacred. Um, and then here, Lord, this Lord is is like the title. It's like the master and then God Almighty. So when we say Lord God, we're saying he is our our master, he is our ruler, he is the Lord over us, right? So in, in this case, Lord is like a title. That's God's title. He is our ruler. He is our Lord. Um, I, I had a yes. Uh, in the scriptures, we're supposed to uh, be more like Jesus, who is of God. And so uh, there's a scripture that says we are, we are supposed to be holy in his sight. Set apart. Right. We should be holy like God is holy, right? We should be set apart, consecrated to God. It's just a process every day. Right. For us, yeah, for us it is a continual process. Right, it is. That's that's true. For us it is a continual process to try and follow the Lord and be holy like God is holy. So, but this is acknowledging God as, you know, master of all, having all authority. Does anybody else have anything, anything else on that? All right. So if we look at question 13, when the creatures offer glory, honor, and thanks to God, what happens? They fall down before him and they throw their crowns. Right, the 24 elders, they fall down before God on the throne, they worship him, and they cast their crowns before the throne, right? And let's see, I think we have a picture for that. There, yeah. And this is, this is just an artist's rendering, and we've just been trying to share these pictures as we go through this. But, but they bow down before him, they fall down before him, and they cast their crowns. Now, so... What do you think casting their crown symbolizes? Their crowns give them some authority, but they're giving that authority to God. Okay. Their crowns are somewhat a symbol of their authority, and they're giving that authority to God. But, and acknowledging that he's over them, there's nothing wrong with that, definitely. Yeah. And uh, I, I was also thinking that you know, these crowns, too, were, were their crowns of victory, right, that the Lord gave them. So they're acknowledging that victory comes from God, right? So just like their authority, their victory also is coming from God. Um, let's see. And so if we, uh, does anybody have anything on that, else on that? All right, so if we look at the next question, question 14, 
Why do the 24 elders deem God worthy of glory, honor, and power? And this is, this is like just saying, why do they say this or do this? Well, he was a creator of Right. He created all things. He is supreme. They're giving him that honor. And that's right. Because it says he created all things. And by his will, everything exists. All of us exist. Everything is still going because of his will. So we still exist. The world still turns. Everything continues because that is God's will. Does anybody have anything else on that before we move to the, or, or anything on this chapter before we move into chapter 5? All right, so we'll move into chapter 5, and I'm going to move us down to like the first question. Whoa, okay. Because the first question really is kind of like the overall review. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a summary. The workbook author kind of summarizes this chapter as Worthy is the Lamb, and that is true, and you'll see that as we read this. It, it shows Jesus uh, in a very encouraging light. He is uh, how only he is worthy, and uh, it's just, it's a very, that's a very good way of summarizing this chapter, I think. So, all right, so the first, um, I'm going to say, he says main points, I'm going to say the, the sections of the chapter we're going to break it into two, and the first part is going to be the scroll and the lamb in verses 1 through 7. And the second part will be the, the lamb is praised in verses 8 through 14. And I want to show you another picture we have here to kind of just start this. We have to go back to chapter 5 here. I had to break these up or I'd be searching for them all day. But I'm going to read Revelations, uh, Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And this is just that artist's interpretation of that angel. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah the root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So we want to look at our questions here for chapter 5. And if we look at question 2, what did John see in the right hand of him who sat on the throne? 
He saw a scroll, right? Mm -hmm. With seven seals. With seven seals written inside and on the back, meaning written on both sides is my, the way I understand that. So a scroll written on both sides, sealed with seven seals. Now, in a historic context or in a general idea, what do seals like this normally mean on an old scroll or an old document? It took some time to write it. It took, well, it took some time to write that. Well, they seal it for, you know, to keep it sealed in the message. Okay, that, yeah. See, they... I can't. I can't. That's okay. They The wax seals served several different purposes, and one is what Addie was saying, uh, proof that the document has been unaltered, because if the seal has been broken, then anyone could have messed with the document, right? But it was proof that the uh, document had not been changed. Also, they were a sign, the wax seals were a sign of, a, of it being from an authority, from someone in charge of the document was important. It wasn't just any document. It wasn't just anything written. And they were genuine and authentic. That was what that meant. Now, this scroll has seven seals. And uh, that, according to, I think according to most people, and I can understand this, seven indicates completeness and fullness. And it's like this, uh, this scroll contains the perfect or full plan of God's redemption and judgment. So that's what this scroll is representing. Now there's similarities. If you look in Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, and then also in chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, there's some similarities here in, in that, this scroll we're reading about and in what Ezekiel saw back here. I'm going to read this from Ezekiel. and It starts in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Now when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. Then he spread it before me, and there was writing on the inside and on the outside, and written on it were lamentations and mourning and woe. And then continuing in chapter 3, Ezekiel says, Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll, and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that scroll. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. So I ate, and it was in my mouth like honey and sweetness. And we're going to see something similar to that in upcoming chapters as well, but I just wanted to include all that here. Yes? One thing I noticed is there weren't any seals on this one. It doesn't say that it has seals, and it, it actually he actually says... Let's see, um, he spread it before me, as if he spread the scroll before Ezekiel to see. So, just going by what is written in the Bible. Not, I don't, I'm not drawing any weird or strange conclusions or anything. I'm just saying this is something similar that we have in the Old Testament. So, um, and we're going to see something similar as far as eating the scroll John later on does something similar there. So, um, see anybody have anything else on that question? Okay. So, on question number three, 
What did a strong angel proclaim with a loud voice? In other words, what what did he say? Right. He really didn't say he asked a question, didn't he? He he pro he kind of posed a problem. He says, "Who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals?" And paying attention to what we were saying earlier about this being the perfect plan of God's redemption and judgment, he's asking who is perfect and can execute this plan of God's. That's really what he's saying. That's really what he's asking. Who can do this? So um, so that's the problem he poses. Now, who do we think the answer to that problem is? Christ. Christ. Yep. Jesus is... Right, at this, at this time, yes. And that leads us into our, our next question. How did John react when no one there was worthy? He cried. He cried. He wept. Now, why, why did he weep? Why do you think he wept? This is, this, this is not going to be in the verses. I'm just thinking, why would we think he would weep? Right. You want to know who's worthy, and you want to know what the scroll has to say. Okay. Yeah, that's a valid. That's a valid reason. And uh, and I was thinking that if there's no one found to execute God's plan, then there would be no hope of redemption for us. There's no redemption without having the Lord there to to execute that plan. Right. Because he is the one that's going to execute the plan of redemption and judgment represented by the scroll. So it was just a thought. Like I say, it's not something you're going to find written in the verses. So, um, so if we look at uh, question five, what did one of the 24 elders say to John? Right. He says, do not weep. And he says, behold, and now, you know, the lamb, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has prevailed and he's on the scene. He's he's on the scene now, the lamb. And uh, let's see, uh, I have an image for this, actually, I believe. So the Lamb, who we know is Christ, is representative of Christ, is on the scene, right? And he is worthy. So I want to uh, read something to you from Isaiah, which this has to, this kind of references back to Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. And this contains a little bit of what we had read earlier about the spirits. But this is about the Lord. This is about Jesus. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and, the fe and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears, 
but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. And this is the Lord, the perfect king and judge. And he has prevailed and he will open the seals. He will execute God's plan. So, yes. I don't understand what you're asking. The question was, um, he was weeping, and why was he weeping? Because he didn't understand. Right, he was weeping because no one was found. Right, so how come David or John didn't quite understand that? I, the way this is written, the way it reads, Christ was not on the scene, the lamb was not there, but then after that after that then it was behold the lamb is you know the lamb is here it's like that's when christ appears so john was not seeing christ and he just saw the problem that the, the angel posed you know is anyone worthy and there was none worthy until christ appeared until the lamb appeared the lamb of god so there's like it, there's like a passage of time there is it just a second is it just like I'm unsure, and it doesn't really say. It sounds like, almost like in the blink of an eye, that, you know, Jesus appeared in the throne room at that time. I also want to say that picture that you just put up there. Yes. Yes. It's very good art. Whoever did this is really good. It, it is it is helpful to see things like this. I, I think so too. I, um, it's, Matt had these copies of this and shared these with us, so that's uh, that's where they come from. But I, I think the visuals are helpful too. It looks very good, and uh, there's there's going to be more visuals as we go. There's not the the artist does not have a picture for every little thing through Revelation, but there will be more more of these to come as we go through. Is there anything else on? You know, I was looking at it too, you know, so much, much of this is uh, symbolism. And it says, uh, there stood a lamb as though he had been slain. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is a point that we're going to get to. It's all symbolism. Yes. Um, so, hold on just a second. Right, okay. Question six, what did John see? A lamb, right? As though it had been slain. Like, that's what Pat was just saying. So, she was she was answering question six. She's ahead of us, so. <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, a lamb, as though it had been slain, and it's described as having seven horns and seven eyes. And the eyes relate to the spirits of God, is the way it's, the way it's stated. Earlier we found the spirits of God had seven pillars of fire around the throne, and that was the spirits of God, too. 
That was representative of the spirits of God, too, those fires in front of the throne, right? If you remember that picture, those seven fires in front of the throne. Um, because this, this ties into six and seven really kind of go together. Question seven, where was the lamb? And this is a probably a simpler He was in the midst of the throne room, right? And of the four, he was in the midst like I imagined it, and they don't have a picture for this, I imagined it as he's between the throne and the creatures and everything, so that he's in basically the middle of everything. In the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and the elders, so that he's like now in the middle of everything. And then what did he do? He took the scroll from him who sat on the throne, which, yeah, was God, right? So he took the scroll or the book, and I, I think that's fine either way. He took the scroll from him, right? So um, now let's look at that picture again as a visual, okay? Why is Jesus represented this way like a slain lamb? This is just to try to think about these things. Well, we're, we're always told that he was a perfect He's a perfect sacrifice for sin. What did you have, Abby? I was in first he was the Lamb of God and he was sacrificed. Right, the Lamb of God and he was sacrificed. For our sins, right? Right, because he was that perfect sacrifice, the Lamb. Yes? I read somewhere that there's a certain hour of the day on the day of Passover that the priest takes the Lamb and slays it, and it was the same hour that Christ was stabbed in his chest. I don't know about that. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. The, they they had, um, I can't remember all the daily sacrifices and all the rules for all of those. I've read probably all that recently, but I can't remember all of it. So I can't really speak to the timing of all of that and if that if that actually happened that way. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they, they think it occurred at the same time. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Um, so I was looking at this as, you know, because he was victorious through his sacrifice, right? He was victorious through his sacrifice, not through military conquest. He's not being, even though he's referred to as the Lion of Judah and he is the king and the ruler, he's not referred to as, as a military figure or a military man, right? Not in this sense, not here. So it's because he was victorious through sacrifice is what I was thinking of. Now, what do the seven horns represent? In the, especially in the Old Testament, a lot of times they would refer to their horn or the horn or God being their horn. And the horn usually represents strength and, and power, right? And then seven again comes back to being complete and full and perfect. So it's it's representing his his power and his authority over everything. Well, he wrote the letters to the seven churches too. Yeah, and there were seven churches. So that there is there's a lot of sevens. <laughs> yeah, that's they 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 say that's a perfect number and it represents completion and perfection. Um, 
So we're we're just we're going with that theme, okay? Um, what a God made the week seven days. Yes, he did. He did everything in six and rested in one, so it made seven, made a week again, another period of time that would go along with that. So what about the seven eyes, though? Now, what does that what does that represent? Well, the, the te yeah, Dan. Seven kingdoms. Seven kingdoms? Yeah. I'm not wrong. Uh, that's okay. Um, the, the text itself says it relates to the seven spirits of God, which goes back to Isaiah 11, 2, we read. But two, I think the, I think the eyes represent that uh, perfect sight and knowledge and wisdom of God. Well, I can look at that because I've been reading it. Okay. Right, and I was I was just thinking of how this relates to to Christ. I'm I'm specifically thinking of just that, so it's okay. I mean, that's what class is for. We're you know we're trying to uh, look at things and and see what we can learn from the Word. Um, so. Again, going back to what we were looking at and what we were talking about, the, the idea is that the Lamb, Jesus, he is perfect and he will be able to execute God's plan from this scroll perfectly. And he, he has complete authority and wisdom to do so. Does anybody have anything else on that before we move to the next section? Okay, so if we read Revelation chapter 5, verses 8 through 14, that's going to be our next section here. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Some translations will say purchased, has purchased us, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing, and honor, and glory, and power be to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. I don't know about you, but that's 
It is. That is. It's an awesome picture, isn't it? It is to think about. And we don't really have a picture of that. I had something. Um, if we go back, I think, to the throne room picture. Let me see if we can do this. You can see how they're trying to portray the host of angels up the sides. Like if I zoom in on the, the side, they're trying to portray that here in this picture. Like there's hosts of angels more than you could see or count. They're, that's I know that's just an art, artist uh, rendering, but they're trying to portray that, you know, in some way as best they can. I think man can only portray so much because we don't have the wisdom of God or the ability to picture anything so glorious. Right, and, and we're just doing the best we can to understand this, not having seen it ourselves. And John is trying to describe things to us just like Ezekiel did. That may be beyond our comprehension. He's trying to describe it as best he can. So that that's a failing of uh, people, right? So that's... All right. There's another thing, too. People back in the day understood picture language much better than we do. We don't use the picture language like they did back in those days. Oh, well, that's true. They used... So we use picture language, don't get me wrong, but theirs was so much of it was symbolic. Yeah, they had a lot more symbology. A lot more symbolic stuff, and I think they understood a little differently than we did. Or do. Yeah, and, and then there's that passage of time between us and them that some things have changed. The way we think of things uh, is different from the way... They may think of things, and we might not recognize some of their symbology. That's something we did talk about early on in this class, is that some of the symbology from then may not make sense to us now, just like some of ours would not make sense to them. Uh, the author of the workbook used like the idea of the Republicans and the Democrats. If you have a, a donkey and an elephant, we all recognize that symbology 2,000 years ago, it would have been meaningless and that kind of thing. They may have symbology like that that to us would be almost meaningless without something to connect it to. So, um, But we were looking at, do we, yeah, we were looking at question eight now. What happened when the lamb had taken the scroll? If you look at uh, verse eight and really nine also. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Now remember they had already were worshiping the one on the throne, God on the throne. So now they're falling down before the lamb. They each had, oh wait. Yeah, that's all the same. So, and, and they each had a harp and golden bowls of incense, which represents the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Now, in reference to the incense and the prayers of the saints, if you look back at Psalm 141, verse 2, and I just grabbed just this verse out of that psalm. This is a psalm of David. He says, Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And here... Our prayers are being represented as incense to God. What, what, you know how they used to say when they did all their sacrifices, it was a soothing aroma, that kind of thing. So that's the idea that our prayers are pleasing to God. 
So what do you think the significance is of them now falling down before the lamb? They are agreeing that he's worthy, right? He's worthy of worship and praise like God. And I'm thinking of God the Father being on the throne and the Lamb representing Jesus the Son. And so they are acknowledging that, right? Now, the harp and the new song, because it does make a mention of that, what do these signify or you know, what would you kind of relate them to? I'll say it that way. Maybe that's a little vaguer question, but... They were celebrating and praising. They were celebrating and praising. And you, you can relate this back to, in the Old Testament, you can go back to, like, Chronicles and, and, and in some of the Psalms. And, uh, but, like, in the temple in the old days, they had, uh, you know, they had harps and all this, and, and God had told them how to set all that up inside the temple, so... Kind of relating back to that is just what I was thinking. I was having to think about something else. Um, Christ said before he died, or maybe it was right after the resurrection, um, he said, All authority is given to me. Right. And so this is the point, you know, that God gave him that, just like he gave him the book because he was worthy. Right. This is, I, that's, that's, that's kind of, I think that's kind of the point here is that. You know, where Jesus had said that all authority had been given to him, right? And this is kind of a, a spiritual proof or a vision of proof of that, that he has been given all authority, that he does have that authority. He has that, also that wisdom and that power. But authority is power. When you're given authority over something, you have power over that. And he's been given all authority. And that's another thing that I think is part of the point here. And when, uh all received back into heaven, he's going to give that authority back to his father. Is that what it says? I think so. Is that what it says? I, you know what? I've been very focused on just doing this a little bit at a time. So I have not, I have not gotten that far. I didn't remember that. That's, I've, I've read all this before, but you could very easily be right. Yes. What did she say? Okay. So she said, now wait, say that again. When, when Christ when we're all back in heaven with Christ, yeah. he's going to give the authority he was given by God back to him. Okay, when we're all in heaven with Christ and God, then Christ is going to give all that authority back to God, is what she said. So, but he'll still be his son. Yes, yeah, he'll still be his son. I mean, and, you know, I like I said, I haven't... I haven't read ahead that far this time. Yes, Dan? Oh, um, well, I, do you know where, where it says that? It's probably, if it, I'm, I'm going to assume that it would be later in Revelation, and I'm not there. Because I haven't, I haven't read that, but, or I haven't read it recently enough that I remember it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I try to get, I get very focused on certain things and then, you know. I don't remember anybody teaching that. Right. I, I don't remember that either, but I'm not going to say it's not uh, without having studied further. I just don't know what book it's in. Oh, okay. 
So, well, we'll see. I mean, we'll see as we go along and, and go through Revelation. We'll see about that. Um, like I said, I, I'm, I'm very focused each week on trying to do what we're doing. And I, I always do a little more than we have time for in class, but I try not to get way far ahead of us because then I would get possibly confused or possibly, you know, confuse everyone else. So I try to stay focused on where we're at. Um, anyway, before we close out, does anybody have anything else this morning? Because we're going to have to stop here. All right. Okay, so thank you for your time and your attention. We'll pick up with question number nine next week.